0: Today, I'm going to mix things up a little bit and uh, kind of let you walk into my front room. Uh, This is actually furniture from my office and kind of chat with you as a uh, father would with his kids and or as a shepherd would with his sheep or a leader with his people. And uh, I... I really believe this is uh, the standalone that God wants me to share today. And, and so today I'll kind of bring you in. You probably won't see any veins pop in my neck. And uh, this is how I would talk with my my children if I was at home or someone came in my office. And I also believe this after sitting through the first service I believe that God wants these truths to be spoken today. Uh, I believe that many of you feel a lot like uh, 10th Avenue's North Song Warren. Uh You feel like your life is running 150 miles an hour and in all directions. And this summer has run at breakneck pace. And sometimes in the midst of that, our eyes have this vision for what's ahead and we bypass all these things that God is doing and has done. And sometimes it's even a picture of our life. Sometimes our lives are like that. You know, we fast forward into work and we move to the next project, we move to the next thing and we neglect to see that God is alive and well and working around us. Um, just kind of snapshot at pause and say where we're at. Um, my son Isaiah will be a freshman at Fairfield uh, Junior Senior High School this year, my younger son. He's uh, ninth grade. He's been ready for it since he's been about four. Um, uh, uh, but in all seriousness, he, he's ready for that. and It's a, a new stage for him and for us. And Hannah will be a sophomore at Grace College. She'll be an RA, which she is very uh, capable of and very mature. Um, looking at leading some other women. Uh, Josh will be a senior at Grace College. He just finished up an internship uh, this summer um, here at, at Grace. And that was, a, that was a great summer to have your son on staff uh, with you, um, adding he made our team stronger. And um, he was leaving on Friday. It was his last day. And uh, he walked in my office and he says, well, Dad, I've it's been good. And we shared some, you know, some father-son kind of uh, language. And he started to cry and I started to cry. I said, you better get out of here. We'll be a mess. (laughs) Um, But it was a great blessing to have him work with us. He really did make us stronger. Uh, In fact, um, I asked him, uh, what was it like to, uh, what did you learn? Um, You know, he's a PK. Being a PK is not easy. Um, My kids have done a tremendous job of of uh, being pastor's kids. And uh, we try not to put extra pressure on them because there's enough pressure as, as there is. And I asked him, I said, so what did you learn um, behind the scenes as you sat in meetings? And uh, he said, a couple of things, Dad. Um, surface one, he says, I can't believe the pace at which you guys operate. So it's just, it's just go, 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 go. And uh, sometimes... It does feel that way, and he's also love the camaraderie that I see amongst the team. He said, I love when we're in meetings, and everyone has input, and it's just not one person's view, and, and you allow for differences, and uh, they sharpen each other, and he said, I love the interaction amongst the teams. He said, I've been a part of many teams and leadership teams, and he said, I just love the healthiness to it, and... Um, by the way, he's going for a shoulder surgery tomorrow. He played baseball in college and uh, last year, uh, probably many years before that, threw too many curveballs and uh, getting his shoulder operated on tomorrow morning. Uh, so he'll be in recovery for about six weeks and six months he won't be able to throw. Ann and I, um, this summer, um, August 27, we'll be married 25 years. And uh, it's, we're going back to the place that we... Um, yeah, praise God for that. Wow, what a woman! Um, she is an incredible lady. Uh, I love her to pieces um, we 're going back to the place where we honeymooned uh, Virginia beach, and if you 're from the East Coast, they have bumper stickers it 's probably why we end up going to Virginia Beach for a honeymoon. Uh, it says, has bumper stickers it says Virginia Beach is for lovers so uh, figured that 's a good place to honeymoon uh, we haven 't we haven't been back there in twenty five years, so we 're going back to uh, um, Reminisce, remember, and thank God for 25 years. That's kind of where we're at um, in our stage of life and our season of life. And we're looking forward uh, to that and and to the new stage that uh, is coming. But as I talk with my children, uh, we often um, will talk about things like what I'm going to talk about today. But let me just say this before I move on. Um, uh, God is alive and well. (laughs) Um, Jesus isn't concerned with what the alarmists have to say about the state of the church. Uh, Jesus didn't wake up this morning and say, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? Um, He is sovereignly in control of our lives and your life. And in fact, before you woke this morning, that thing that maybe... uh, Scott here in the main asked you to hold up that sh- trial, that struggle that is close near and dear to your heart, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a financial thing or before you woke this morning, um, Jesus had already taken that thing. Because he sees past, present and future It already walked through his hands It's like that thing that you're wondering What's going to happen this week It's already been through the hands of a sovereign God Who promises to work it out for good To those that love him And so it's not like he's getting it for First time or, or you're left alone To battle with it He's already working it out And working it into a fashion and form That it'll turn out For good to those that love him By the way that's pretty good news, isn't it? Um, To know that no matter what you face today or tomorrow, no matter if you feel shattered or broken or desperate or lonely, or maybe there's some unknowns, the Lord of the universe never tires. Um, He doesn't take a day off. Um, he, He just has the same power and ability day in and day out. He doesn't have like certain areas. So I need to go work in Eastern Europe or Southeast Asia. I got to hold off on those new parasites. Um, he doesn't do that. Um, new Paris sites and you have some new parish and get that. Um, he, 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 he extends as much love and grace and power to all regions and all people. Sometimes we need to be reminded that God is still at work even when it doesn't look like it. This week, I, uh, in fact, it was, um, it was Wednesday of this week, I received this uh, Facebook message from a young guy uh, that, that was in my uh, youth group 24 years ago. Let me give you a little background here. His name is Mike Hose. Well, 24 years ago when Ann and I were first married, I ran a teen center in Hagerstown, Maryland um, that reached the underprivileged, the, the kids that were um, from single-parent homes, the girls that were pregnant, and all kinds of broken and shattered homes. And so we opened up this teen center on Saturday night, and I directed it and led it. We had a gymnasium. We played ball and pool and air hockey, and then I would give a devotional. And And so literally in the first three years of our marriage, I spent every Saturday night at this teen center loving on kids. And out of that came a real love for ministry. And there's always a few kids that you wonder, what happened to them? You know, 24 years has passed since I've uh, heard from this dude. And he was like one of my sidekicks. You know, I would throw him and a bunch of other dudes in the back of my Toyota truck, and we would go play basketball at the area outside of Hoops. And his uncle owned Rocky's Pizza. And and by God's grace, I had a chance to lead him to the Lord 24 years ago. And I haven't heard from him. And there's been times we've been back in Hagerstown, and we often say, I wonder what Mike Hose is up to. Well, this week I received this um, message from Mike Hose out of the blue on Facebook, uh, by the way, which I think is a great tool to be used to link and uh, bring people together. But I saw a friend request come and it's like, my ghost. Now, if you've ever had a friend from the past that you've been longing to hear from, um, that's kind of how I responded. And he sent me a Facebook message and it said this. Hi, Jim. I've looked for you guys before, but couldn't find you. I've always Wanted to say thank you for helping me when I was young. I have fought things along the way, but I think I've been a better person thanks to Ann and you. I even started back to church after a few years away. I have really turned the corner. I got in with the wrong friends and got hit with two DUIs in 2000. And after that, I haven't drank since so much to catch up with you. Love you, Mike. You know, sometimes um, we wonder if God is still working in people. You see, maybe it's your child, maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife, or maybe it's a group of people, and you wonder if God is still working in them, if he's still building the church, if he really is doing what he said he's doing. Mike is a picture of that. He's a single dad now. He's got two cool sons. And I saw yesterday they went to Gettysburg. And um, he posted something about Jesus on his Facebook page. And that was good to see. It's good for the soul to see that that God does what he says he would do. He'll continue to work it out for good to those that love him. And uh, so I want to without a doubt, give you some encouragement today. I feel like you might need this. If you don't, I do. (laughs) This is good therapy for me. Um, But I want to begin by looking at a verse in the Bible, and in fact, you don't need to turn there, and ushers don't need to hand out Bibles, and just, you can just listen to this. If you take a note, you can write the passage down, but just take this in. Jesus said this in Matthew 16 and verse 18. He was having this conversation with Peter and Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied these words, blessed are you Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And then he says these words that we believe, but sometimes we wonder. I tell you, that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So what does that mean to you and me today? It means this, that if the church was dependent upon man to build it, we would fail miserably. It means this that Jesus is alive and well the church you and me those that know Christ he is building you he will continue to build you he will continue to make you into the person you're supposed to be and so when you hear these stories or people start to bring up these pockets and say the church is doomed it's it's headed to hell in a handbasket and I say wait a minute my Bible says that Jesus is building the church and the gates of Hades will not prevail or over, be overcome by it. After a summer of, of spending time with a lot of ministry colleagues and spending time with people, um, sometimes we can have a tendency to forget that. As a dad, I would say this to you today. No matter what, where you see your life situation, and no matter how desperate it seems or no matter how lonely it feels or even how shattered you think it might be, it's going to be okay (laughs) because Jesus is still on the watch. (laughs) Jesus has your situation in his hands and he promises to work it out for good. Jesus will always be there He will keep building his church. And by the way, it will not disappear. And we might find ourselves in more opposition because of who we stand for. But the church, you and me, will never disappear because Jesus promises to continue to build it. It might mean that we have to face extra persecution because of our faith. But the faithful bride of Jesus Christ will remain strong. And guess what? One day he's going to rapture us and take us home to be with him. I love these lines from a song that is pretty special to me, The Great I Am. And when I sing these songs, in fact, we sang them as a ministry team, a short-term missions trip to Asia. We went to see our children in Cambodia and Thailand at the end of May, 1st of June. We stood in a um, a Buddhist temple up on this mountain And there was incense burning And there was these, these alms and gifts given to Buddha And so we opened up uh, my iPad And we played the song, The Great I Am And we sang it in the midst of all the darkness was there And there's these lines that encourage me From that song that say this The mountains shake before you The demons run in fear At the mention of the name King of Majesty, there is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and presence of the great I am. Without a doubt, Jesus will continue to build the church. Without a doubt, the gates of Hades will not prevail or be overcome by it. Yes, there will be cosmic conflict when you take Jesus to the world. But don't be discouraged by it. Let it encourage you to press on all the more. Hardship and adversity are normal operating procedures for Christians. Let me just say it this way. For the person who says, come to Jesus and you'll be blessed and you won't have problems and he's like your ATM machine. That's a bunch of baloney. (laughs) You see, the more you stand up for Jesus Christ and the brighter your light becomes, you become a target of the enemy and your life will be opposed. But don't run from that because this passage says that the gates of Hades will not be overcome by Christ building you and the church. Let me me just say it this way. It means that you will have days when... You feel broken when tears will flow easily when it seems like Jesus is distance in miles and galaxies away but take heart the word of god tells you that Jesus has overcome the world and he will never leave your side by the way Gates. What's it mean the gates of Hades will not prevail or be overcome by it? Gates are instruments, are not instruments of warfare. In fact, when's the last time you watched Private Ryan or some um, a movie with your dudes about army or battle that you saw a guy run into the front lines carrying a gate into battle? I mean, it's, by the way, if you did, He's stupid. It's not an offensive weapon. It's not like, I mean, if he isn't carrying an AR or AK, he's going to be shot from behind quickly. It's not meant for offense. Gates are to protect those behind them from being conquered. Or in the case of being in a prison, it keeps people from escaping. So Haiti has no power to hold God's people captive. That's what that means. It it says that Satan can't keep you captive. There's no way he can hold you as a prisoner because you belong to the king of kings and lord of lords. By the way, is that good news to you today? It means that the gates of Hades aren't strong enough to overpower you or have mastery over you and cannot keep you in prison because... Jesus overcame them on the cross and at the resurrection of the tomb. Here's what that means today. It means this. Whether you feel this way this morning, maybe you walked in and you're just heavy and burdened for a child or you find yourself in a broken marriage or you lost your job or you fill in the blank, whatever you held up. You're stronger than you think you are because Jesus is working on your behalf to work it out for good. You know, I often tell my kids that, and just recently telling my son walking, he's walking through a broken heart in a relationship, and um it's tough, man. you you know, I walk through a broken engagement. I remember being engaged before I met Ann and and trying to figure out what the world is going on. Why would why would this happen? And why, did, why, didn't, why didn't we stay together? And I soon found out, praise God for Anne. I mean, I, I, I soon found out. Um, but in the midst of that pain, you can't see that because you can't see the finished end of it. You can't see the who down the end of the road. You can't see some, you know that God promises to work all things out for good. But here's the thing, God sees it. He knows it and he's got a plan for it. So no matter where you're at today, you might not be able to see it or comprehend it. But let me tell you, tell yourself this truth. God is going to work it out for good. Listen, you don't get that unless you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So think through that. You can't be in prison. You can't be overpowered by Satan. You are stronger than you think you are. In fact, think about this statement. The human heart has no desire that God can't satisfy or adversity that he can't overcome. We have many desires, and we try to replace them with other things, but listen, the human heart has no desire that God can't satisfy Maybe I'm old-fashioned, in some ways I am, and I'm okay with that. And maybe I'm just weary and saddened by all the damage we do to the bride of Christ with our words. But the last time I checked, Jesus is still Lord and Savior, and he's in sovereign control. And guess what? That's truth. (laughs) As Hannah would say, Dad, that's legit. I think, if I can really encourage us today... Instead of talking disparagingly about the church, the church of Jesus Christ is alive and well. And when you talk disparagingly about the church, you talk about an individual. You're talking about the bride of Christ. How many men in this room in the link are married? Just just raise your hand. How many of you are married? All right, thanks. Now, let me ask you a question. If someone started breaking bad in words about your wife saying, hey, your wife's a loser. What are you doing with her? Uh, she's, she's this, she's that, and, and, and so she's a waste of time. Let me ask you, if someone started talking badly about your wife, what might you do? Well, don't speak it out loud. <laughs> now, think about this for a second. We are the bride of Christ. You, me, you, 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 and you. We're the bride of Christ, When we speak badly about each other and the church, we're speaking against the imagery that's used in Scripture, God's wife. Now, he welds and yields a lot more power than we will ever yield and weld. Do you think, God, when he hears you bashing his bride, sits back and says, yeah, I I know? No, he doesn't. He's grieved by it. He's saddened by it, and he responds to it. The chains of death could never permanently overpower and hold us captive. But here's what the enemy does. He tries to pit us against each other. And what he does, he takes teammates who call themselves followers of Christ walking together, and he begins to cause us to turn on each other. Let me just stop and say it this way. Do you realize that another believer in Christ isn't your enemy, but Satan is your enemy? It's like this. Imagine walking into warfare. Imagine as a police officer, you're going to attack a zone where there's there's someone there that you need to apprehend. Now imagine as you're walking arm in arm or standing in the trenches in a military branch out on the, the, the war path or even out in, in, in on the field and the enemy is over there and all of a sudden the guy in the trenches or beside you starts shooting you. What's wrong with that picture? That's exactly what happens and that's what Satan wants to do when we began to throw a barrage of words, a barrage of actions, we're shooting the wrong enemy. The enemy is Satan. Let me just say all this regarding the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is alive and well. And sometimes we listen to too many blogs. We listen to too much public radio We read too many newspaper ads, we read too many Facebook posts, and somehow we begin to believe the alarmists who all they do is pick out the faults of the church or the faults of people or faults of ministry, and somehow we think the church is weakened. The church of Jesus Christ is alive and well because Jesus is building it and protecting it. By the way, Jesus doesn't read our books and our newspapers and our Facebook posts and our blogs and say, wow, I didn't realize that was happening. Jesus promised to build the church regardless. He already won the battle at the cross and at the tomb. So no matter how liberal, fanatical, ritualistic, apathetic, or apostate its outward adherence may be, and no matter how decadent the rest of the world may become, Christ will build his church. Here's what that means. Your life, your family, your future is protected and held in Jesus' hands. And he has something great in store for you and those who call themselves Christ followers. I often say to my kids, you know, you can trust Jesus. Somehow he's going to work it out. I often say, it's going to be okay, Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah. It's going to be okay because the word of God says that he is working on our behalf. And if he says he will do it, then doggone it. There's no reason to fear or panic. We're not a family who fears. We're not a family who panics. If they were relying upon me, they have much reason to fear and panic. We don't panic or fear because Jesus promises to care and lead us. He also promises to never leave us nor forsake us. There's a passage in scripture I want to read to you today to encourage you and you probably memorized it as a kid. And, and sometimes we fast forward so fast, quickly ahead that going to the next thing that we forget some of the truths of his word. Just listen to these words and let them just wash over you or wash over you. That's how we say it back east. And let it just encourage you. Listen to these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's what that means today. And by the way, I need to hear this truth too. You and I will never walk alone in this lifetime. Never. I'm going to say that again because you need to hear that. Because you might not feel that way today. You might like feel like God is distance or galaxies away. You might feel like... Like, like he's not answering your prayers. Listen to me. You will never walk alone in this lifetime. Christ will always be with you. Is that good news? The God of the universe never has a bad day. The God of the universe never calls in sick. The God of the universe is working on your behalf to work all things out for good. I'm gonna show you how. Just, just listen to this. And Time to time, I'll just read this to my kids and I'll read it to my family and we'll talk about it. And, and I wanna read it to you because I think you need to hear it. And if you don't, I do and it's good for me. Romans 8 says this, and we know, That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And then Paul says this, listen this. What then shall we say? That's you and me, in response to these things. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Now think about that for a second. He predestines to work all things out for good. That's a big word and it's not one that you might use in your sentence this tomorrow, but you'll want to. Here's what predestined means. Let me give you the the cliff notes. Jesus fixes the endings of our messes. I'm going to repeat that. This is what predestined means. Jesus fixes every single mess that you've ever made. Jesus fixes every. Piece of chaos in your life right now. Jesus fixes every piece of brokenness. Jesus fixes everything that you find yourself in. He promises to fix it and not only fix it, but work it out for good to those that love Him and are called by His name. Uh, anybody? Anybody glad for that? <laughs> here's what that means. Hold on church. Listen to me. I'm a father talking to the kids. It's going to get better. It's going to be okay because my savior, your savior promises to work it out for good right now. You can't see this. You can't see the end product, but listen He's already run it through his hands, and he has something special in store for those that love him. By the way, predestined is only for those who call themselves Christ followers. Someone who doesn't know Christ, they have no hope. But those who have no Christ, we got hope and praise God for that. Without a doubt, we are a victorious bride. In fact, Romans 8, 39 says we're more than conquerors. (laughs) I know there's times you don't feel that way. Maybe this morning you didn't feel like more than a conqueror when you looked in your mirror. (laughs) But listen, because Christ is working in us and building his church, we are strong in him. We forget things like this. And I want to remind you of it today because sometimes we think there's no way I can get through this. And, and every once in a while, I just read this verse because I like to read it out loud too, because, um, the enemy can't hear our thoughts. He doesn't know what we think. He's not omniscient, but he's capable of hearing what we say. And so this is one of my favorite verses to read so that he can hear and I just want to encourage you with this in case you forgot about your enemy. Revelation 20 verse 10 says, and the devil who deceived them, and I would say persecuted them, messed them up, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will, and he and they will be tormented day and night forever." and ever and ever and ever and ever. Any amens? There will come a day, listen to me, Grace Community, there will come a day, not because I said it, but because the word of God says it, when we will experience no sin, no sickness, no heartache, no pain, a day when Christ raptures us home and takes us to be with him. So listen to me, hold on hold on, one day you will stand before the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and he will do what he said he would do. He will work it all out for perfect good. See, here's the problem though. And I have discussion with my children. We live in a world that has flesh and blood. And we're human beings. And so we have to live here. We can't just like go dig a hole or join that group that's waiting for alarmists that are putting two years of supply food away and building big trucks. And and we have to live in this world. And we're supposed to reflect Christ. So... At the same time that's true, the Bible tells us in First Peter 2:11, that this world is not our home, that we're aliens and strangers here, and you know some aliens. Might be your husband, might be your wife. Just having some fun with that. But we live in this world as aliens. That, that place you call home that you work hard for and I work hard for and I mowed the grass yesterday and I trimmed up my bushes and we pulled some, some vegetables from our garden and, and we paint the walls and we keep clean and, and, and we turn on the air conditioner and we love. I, I, I love the place that we call home and we, we want to be good stewards of it and we should. But that place that, that resides the brown household, guess what? That's not my home. And it's not your home where you're at. Because John 14 says this, that do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in Jesus. Because he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And then he says, I'm coming back to take you to be where I am right now. God is building your home in heaven. And so this place that you have here is just temporary. Never hold so tightly to the things of the earth because it's not permanent. That is permanent. That is the home that we can call home one day. With that being said, then we shouldn't be so disturbed and distraught when things don't go well here. Because guess what? There will come a day when we'll finally be home. Another thing I want to say is that the church is imperfect. It's led by imperfect people. Um, It will always be imperfect. But Jesus promises to build it. You know, in the Old Testament, to remind God of, to remind the people of what God had done... If you read the Old Testament, you will see story after story after story of like they built these altars and these memorials. And it's like they would cross the Jordan River, the Red Sea, and he would say, "Take some stones and, and build this monument," or take this altar and use it as a place uh, as a uh, as a, a recall of what God did. And so, whole way through the Old Testament are these monuments. There's these these rock pals. and. Old Testament is loaded. In fact, my children and I, my wife and I, we went back in our back field and we planted a 35 foot cross. Put it six feet in the ground by Turkey Creek. And we go back there and we've been back a couple of times as a reminder what Christ has done for us. You know why Jesus won it and God won it in the Old Testament for people to build these rock monuments? Do you know why he constantly said build an altar? Do you know why he did that? Because he knew that They were and we were prone to forget what God can do. And so what would happen is they would be down the road facing another enemy. They'd be down the road in the midst of adversity or crisis. And they would all of a sudden, because they're flesh and they're they're human, they would wonder if somehow God could get them through. And so God would say, you need to go back and look what I did here. You need to go back and remember. You need to go back and look. We need to build modern day monuments. We need to build stone by stone altars to remember. Because if we forget what God has done when we face the next thing, we will be apt to think that God can't get us through that. I believe with all of my heart that this week when I got that text from Mike Hose, pray for him, would you? He's a good guy. That guy was saying, Jim, i want to take you back 24 years to a moment in time when where this young man became a Christ father. Jim, I want you to remember that. Guess what? It might have been some ups and downs in his life and there might have been some hard turns and right turns and left turns and downturns. but guess what? I was working in his life to work it out for good and 24 years later, here it is. Here's what I think the modern day monuments could be. Now, if we did this, the Church of Jesus Christ would look a lot different. I believe that social media could be the very mechanism to build the monuments and altars of the Old Testament. I believe that daily, post by post, tweet by tweet, paragraph by paragraph, we could write, look what God has done. We could say, he did this, praise God for that. And page by page and scroll by scroll as other people, read through these posts, we could build these monuments and these, these altars to remind those of us that God is capable of getting us through. Now, think on that for a second. How many times have you listened to a song, read a post, saw a comment, and those very words hit you where you were at and said, I needed that? What would happen instead of writing negative comments about people, instead of writing all that's wrong with the church and all the weaknesses that you see, what if we began to celebrate and post all the things that's good and positive and unbelievable with the church? (laughs) You see, here's what's happened. I spent some time with a lot of ministry friends over the last week. And when I get with them, we get a chance to celebrate what God has done. And it's real easy to get in those circles and be hesitant about sharing what God has done because we are prone to look at what's wrong with the church instead of what's right with the church. So I challenge you to begin to be A messenger a monument builder a stone builder that points out what's right with God and what's right with Jesus and what's happening in the church so that we can build a monument for other people to look at without a doubt I would say this too we need a good dose of faith in the church because the undefeated champion of the universe leads it Jesus will never lose a battle in our home, uh, we play this game called the champion of the world and it's a stupid game. Um, it, it really is. But the brown boys and girls and, and gal, gals love it. And we, we sit in our front room and we'll take a ball, we'll take a pillow, we'll take, and we set in all in different chairs and we'll throw a ball across there. And it has to be a good throw or they lose. It has to be able to catch it somewhere near. And the first person to drop the ball or whatever we're throwing, um, the other person becomes champion of the world. And it sounds stupid, but we do this all the time. That's the kind of stuff we do at pastor's kids. You know, since we sit in the house, we play champion of the world. Um, But I bet I've thrown a million balls in our front room. And uh, um, Anne lets us, by the way. Um, And I've broken a few things. And so has Isaiah, Josh, and Hannah. But From time to time, um, Isaiah and I will take it a step farther And Josh does too And if we become champion of the world I'll put spin on it I'll throw a curveball or screwball And and he drops it And I'll jump out of my chair And I'll strut my chest out And I'll come up and I'll just bang him Champion of the world (laughs) I know it sounds stupid And I sound really kiddish right now But that's what happens sometimes in the brown house We don't sit around and study theology books all the time. We have a champion of the world who can strut his feathers anytime he wants to. He never drops a ball. And he's working on your behalf all the time. And he can turn it into something beautiful for you. But we need faith in our world. You see... Every single day, stories are happening that we need to report on. Every single day, God is at work. Every single day, you are doing something. Let's start reporting those stories instead of what's wrong with the church. The last time I checked this book and its truths, the last time I checked, Jesus was the author. The last time I checked, it was inerrant and infallible. And the last time I checked, it says it's living and active, and it is full of truth. Listen, the next time you read a newspaper post, the next time you read a blog, know this. Just because someone wrote it doesn't mean it's true. But when you read this, this is true. We need some Christ followers that proclaim that Jesus is alive and well and will be your rock in hard times and good times. We need Jeremiah 20 and verse 9 kind of followers to say, even if, there, if, if I could contain this fire that's inside of me, I won't because I will, I will not not mention your name without a doubt the local church is the hope of the world let me ask a question sometimes we forget we just fast forward on the next thing and break neck pace and see the next person saved and a couple of weeks from have more people being baptized it's like we just move on and we forget what god has done from time to time we just need to pause and you do too And do an inventory of your life and say, look what God did here when I prayed. Look what God did there. Look how he's changing my son and my father and my husband and my wife. Let me, just personally, if, in fact, you have been saved, come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you've recommitted your life to Christ, or you've been baptized... Through the ministries of Grace Community Church, whether it's Kids City, whether it's been um, Young at Heart, whether it's been Axis, whether it's been um, Next Generation, whether it's been Pursued, whether it's been Sunday morning, whether it's been by a, a person who attends Grace, um, if you've come to know Christ, if you have recommitted your life to Christ, or you've been baptized as a result of the ministries of Grace Community Church, would you do something for me? Would you just stand? Just stand. Now, now, just look around. Look around. Let, let me ask this question to you in the link, too, as you're just remain standing. Um, b- by the way, never be ashamed of that. Never be ashamed of that. Listen, you're on the winning team. <laughs> Is God good? Is God building this church? You can have a seat. By the way, don't take this for granted. You see, when I'm out and about, I'm just being very honest. People talk about Grace Community Church in really unique ways. And I'll focus on the good, unique ways. Um, there's a buzz. And so they ask questions like, what's, how? Give me a prescription, Jim. What are you guys doing? Um, what program are you, are you using? Um, what steps are you? And I always come back by saying this. Number one, Jesus is building it. And there are a group of people who believe that Jesus is real and alive and they're sharing their faith and the infectious testimony of them is attractive and people are being one to Christ because they see other Christ followers who love Jesus. It's plain and simple. So let me say it this way. For those of you who are Christ followers, don't ever be ashamed of the gospel. Don't ever be ashamed to share your faith. Don't ever be ashamed and don't ever underestimate the power of your testimony. The power of your testimony overcomes the evil one. And when you have a chance to exalt and glorify Jesus by what he's done in your life, you write it, you post it, you prance around your house, you get a bullhorn and shout it from your porches. Because Jesus gets the credit for that, and in doing so, the enemy is defeated, and you overcome the enemy by the voice of your testimony. Without a doubt, we are individually capable, but collectively, we are unbelievable when we team together. see... Let me, let me just put you in on something, a strategy of the, of the enemy that I know to be true. He's trying to divide us. Any smart strategist would take a group of people and say, if I can break them up and separate them, I can pick them off. Do you know that a lion waits till the animal is separated away from the pack until he attacks? And so the enemy is trying to Hit us against each other, fire assaults at each other, so that in turn, the very people that should be our teammates and collectively we're stronger together, the enemy wants to divide and conquer so that he can prance and attack. So, what's that mean? Listen to me, Grace. Get rid of gossip, get rid of slander. Get rid of you and do for someone else what you wish they would do for you. Join the team. Don't divide the team. We are stronger together. Without a doubt, you're valuable to God. All shapes, all sizes, all backgrounds, all baggage, and you're not damaged goods. Jesus loved you enough to personally die for you. Without a doubt, I believe this, that the greatest days are ahead. I choose to believe that. And you know why I believe that? Not based upon some procrastinator that has, or procrastinator says this is what's going to happen. Not based upon what I listen to, the public radio. By the way, turn off public talk radio. Holy cow. Quit reading stuff that always drives the church down. Read something good about the church. The reason I believe the greatest days are ahead because Jesus is building the church. Let me wrap it up by saying this, as I would say to my kids. I want you to know this. I might not know your name personally. And there's sometimes out in public that you see me and you wonder if I know you and I might not know you. Um, don't let that stop you from coming up and say, hey, Jim, good to see you. I go to Grace Community. And let me say this, even though I might not know your name, I love you. And I pray for you and your families. You see, when I look out here, I know the stories of a lot of you dudes and gals. I know what Christ did here. I know these turns and bumps that you're going in. And I know that my God promises to work it out for good to those that love him and are called by his name. I will also say this. I will fight to my death for the truth and the cause of Jesus Christ. I want you to know this, that I take my calling as a pastor seriously and I will do my very best to give all glory that comes to grace community to the one who deserves it, Jesus Christ. I want to close by saying this. There will never be a day in your life that you walk alone. There's a song that has meant a lot to me through the year, even this past 16, 18 months. And it's a song that I played 45 times driving home to see my mom on one occasion to care for her needs. It's a song that's on my iPhone. It's a song that I have favored on my mini Mac on my desk. It's a song that sometimes Josh will say, Dad, you're wearing that thing out. But the truths of this song speak to your shepherd. And the words go like this, never once, never once have I walked alone. We're going to close with that song as the band comes out in the link in the main. And, and so my words to you are this today, no matter where you're at, no matter how dark and painful and desperate and it might be, God is with you and he promises to work it out for good that those that love him and are called by his name. So the song we're about to sing, you might just sit there and just soak it in. You might just be silent. And you might like, be like some other ones. You might want to stand on the top of your chair and sing in your most ugly voice because it doesn't matter the truth of this song. You might want to kneel. But let the truths of this song, as our bands lead you, flood you, feel you, and comfort you with this truth. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Father God, help us today. I believe we need to hear the truths like this. And I believe this was the word that you wanted for today. And I pray, God, as we sing this song or listen or respond or clap or shout or that it would reach the core of our heart that's dark, shattered, and broken. Fill us up, God. Fill us up and send us out with this truth. In Jesus' name, amen.